In Kristen Hanna's latest novel, The Women, we meet protagonist Frances Frankie McGrath. She's a 20-year-old nursing student. It's 1965, and the world around her is changing. While she's living in California with her conservative parents, her brother ships out to serve in Vietnam. She impulsively joins the Army Nurse Corps in an effort to follow a path he had heroically forged. She is as green and inexperienced as her brother had been in the context of war and combat, chaos and destruction. Even in her role as an Army Nurse, she's subject to violence and trauma. As a combat nurse, she experiences untold horrors and sorrows. When she returns home to the States, she must face a changed and politically divided America while experiencing post-traumatic stress and alcohol addiction. She also has a broken heart. The novel shows the way Frankie, even in the worst of times, is always supported by her friends, other combat nurses, the women. This is Book Public from Texas Public Radio. I'm Yvette Benavides. I spoke to Kristen Hanna about her latest novel, The Women. Here's our conversation. Well, I want to ask you this first, because I am curious about it. When you explain to people that The Women is about combat nurses in Vietnam, have you gotten the same reaction that this protagonist of Frankie gets? That, oh, but there were no women in Vietnam. (laughs) You know, honestly, um, thank goodness I have not. I think we've come a long way and, you know, we we know a lot more about where women are. And for the last, I don't know, decade, I think, myself and a lot of other writers have been really focusing on women's lost stories and reinserting inserting women back into the historical landscape. So I think we are a lot more aware that women have been in combat for quite a while. And what was the impetus for this particular novel for you? I I understand that this is a book you've been you'd been wanting to write for like 30 years or something <laughs> like that, almost 30 years. It is and it's really the only book that has stayed with me and been in the back of my mind and and been sort of a part of my hopes for writing for most of my career. And I think it's because I was a child during the Vietnam War, and it cast a a broad shadow across my childhood and my youth. And, you know, I was aware of the protests and the marches and the divisions in our country and how angry everyone was. And, you know, the draft was going on. And my best friend her father was a pilot who went to Vietnam and he was shot down and missing. And so I started at about 11, I think, wearing a prisoner of war bracelet with his name on it and the date he was shot down. And the idea was that we would wear these bracelets until the missing service person came home. And so I wore this bracelet for years and years and years, which meant that his name and the the fact of his being shot down was with me all the time. And so I was very, very aware of that and sort of waiting along with his family for him to return. And then later on, I also saw how the Vietnam vets were treated by everyday Americans when they came home from war. And it was such 
a difficult time. And I have just always wanted to go back and look at that era and write about it, you know, from an adult point of view and try to understand, you know, what lessons there are to be learned from then. And really just to honor um, the vets who came home and pretty much received not only no gratitude and no thanks, no honor, but basically were told, you know, just disappear into the landscape. We don't want to talk about Vietnam anymore. Wow. Well, two things I'm thinking about in your acknowledgments, you do mention Colonel Robert John Welch, an Air Force pilot who was shot down in Vietnam on January 16th, 1967. And his name is mentioned in a, a later chapter in the novel where there's a student organization selling. I, I just, I find that tribute so moving and, and so beautiful. And secondly, this idea about the response that the Vietnam veterans received when they came home, going into the novel, I thought, surely Frankie's parents won't do that to her. Uh, <laughs> her motivations for going to Vietnam, well, they're very complex, but at the heart of it is that her brother Finley has died in Vietnam. And also, she's aware of the way that her father admires the men from the family who have fought in wars and served in the military, but he just can't seem to give that same kind of admiration over to Frankie, no gratitude, no acknowledgement. Was this something that your research showed you that even, even within families, perhaps uh, the women especially could not be accepted as heroes or as, as having done something heroic? Yes. I mean, it is, it is so prevalent in the the memoirs that were written by the nurses who were in Vietnam and that served as sort of inspiration and research for this novel. And it's so surprising because we really can't imagine it now. And in fact, even having lived through it, even, you know, having been aware of this my whole life, when I went in and, and started researching how the vets were treated when they came home, both male and female, it was really shocking, you know, the number of of them who said that they were spit upon or that taxis wouldn't pick them up or they were, you know, flipped off or yelled at. And, you know, it just it seems so impossible today to believe. And yet it is exactly what happened. It is exactly what happened. So the these memoirs that you mentioned, well, the last time we spoke about your novel, The Four Winds, you and I talked about how meticulously you research your, for your books. And, and, and once again, it, it's so obvious here that you did some really deep diving in your research. I'm thinking about all kinds of things related to um, the everyday life of the combat nurse in Vietnam, the things they experienced when they visited the villages, the surrounding villages around the camps or orphanages, the mess hall food, <laughs> um, the entertainment in the officers' club, and even um, what an R&R experience would be like, to say nothing of so many details about the fighting, the helicopters, the kinds of wounds the soldiers suffered, and the things that nurses like Frankie and Ethel and Barb had to see to, and the, and the PTSD and the addiction and 
what members of the military faced, again, when they came home from Vietnam, that was not just this inhospitable response, right? Not just this kind of um, the spitting and and this kind of anger or indifference, um, but the things that they were enduring, the PTSD and the addiction on their own. Your research, so you mentioned these memoirs. What other kinds of research did you do? Well, you know, as you point out, it was a it was a big topic because I I really wanted to show the era in full, you know, what was going on in the United States while they were at war, what was going on in the United States what when, when they came home, what it meant to have undiagnosed, untreated, unhelped uh PTSD and to not be able to get help um, for it, you know, there was just a lot going on. And then, of course, as you point out, the the whole Vietnam at war uh, segment. And so in the back of the book, um, you'll see I listed several memoirs. Many of them are from nurses, but not all of them. They're, um, they're from, you know, wives of prisoners of war and the group that worked to bring the POWs home as well as the nurses and some doctors. And really it was just trying to, to recreate this world and this era as closely as I could and tell the truth and be historically as accurate as physically possible while still telling a story that was powerful and compelling and you know difficult to put down. And I was really lucky. Once I finished the first draft, I realized that I sort of desperately needed help from someone who was there because I wrote this book during COVID. So I was unable to go to my you know, location. So I had to really, even more than usual, rely on research to write this book. And so after the first draft was done, I went in search of a nurse who could help me and sort of clarify and, and let me know if I'd gone wrong in any instance. And I was so lucky to be able to connect with a woman named Diane Carlson Evans, who wrote a book called Healing Wounds about her service in Vietnam as an army uh, captain and you know her coming home. And she was just, an, an invaluable resource for the story and for the characters and for the setting. And even more than that, she was a real inspiration that, that connected me with the, the community of uh, female Vietnam vets. And they all sort of welcomed me in and I was able to go to uh, Washington DC in November for the 30th anniversary of the Women's Vietnam Memorial, which Diane is the founder of. And, and that more than anything, um, it, it didn't necessarily help with the, the research afterwards meeting these women, but what it did was really sort of enfold me in their community and realize how important it is to have this book out now uh, while they can read it, while they can talk about it and, and share, you know, hopefully their own stories as spurred by the conversations that are started from this book. That's incredible. 
this idea about the PTSD and the issues of addiction faced by the nurses, it's really something that so many people in the novel would say to Frankie, you know, sort of like, buck up, like, get over it. You were just a nurse. You weren't in combat. And they really didn't understand uh, just the level of trauma that she had experienced over there. And I, I really loved reading about this camaraderie and this deep, long-lasting friendships of these women from this book, Ethel and Barb and Frankie. I mean, these women are true blue, aren't they? And perhaps in the novel, the only sure thing Frankie seems to have, even if they're at certain points in the novel, you know, physically far apart from each other, it's just beautiful. I mean, this novel is heavy, right? It's heavy and it's about some heavy, weighty things. But there's a gorgeous friendship story here. There are stories about love and mothers and daughters and fathers and daughters and, you know, sisters and brothers. And I also, I have to say, I love the details about the more quotidian things like the fashions, <laughs> the <laughs> period. Uh, uh, at this time, the bell bottoms and the what is it? The peasant blouses, um, Frankie's little Peter Pan collar dress, you know, from a decade before. <laughs> and also the descriptions of Barb's afro or the the twiggy pixie cut and the center parted, you know, long straight hair um, and the music, the music. It's it. I mean, you know, when every time I would sit down to read the book, I would have this earworm whenever I close the book. <laughs> um, there's so much going on that just puts you right there during this very specific period. So there's a lot too that's that's just so much fun to to absorb and just to be sort of immersed in this world from another era. It's really gorgeous. Well, thank you. I mean, there's no doubt the the music of this era is is so close to all of us and it just you know, I would write about certain songs at certain moments and they would take me right back to where I was in my own life. And and you're right that, you know, when I think about this book, I really think that, you know, while this is obviously Frankie's journey from um, from being a naive 1950s era young woman to the the serious combat nurse who who finally learns to sort of stand on her own two feet and and fight for what she wants and what she needs and then is able to you know turn around and help others i that of course is the the arc of the book but i think the real the real beating heart of it is this female friendship and these three women who probably never would have been friends you know in ordinary life, coming together in the chaos um, and the horror of war, and just forging this friendship that that really comes, I think, to define who Frankie is and and her life. And it's interesting because you know we always see and hear and read about male camaraderie during war. Um, and I think, you know, obviously my thought was that is very true of women, but also that when women make these kinds of, you know, friendships under fire, 
I believe they last a lifetime, you know, whether you see these people all the time or see them infrequently, the, the fact is that the bonds that are formed last and women, you know, tend to them and need them. It's it, you're exactly right. It is the beating heart of this. I mean, there are profound love stories in this novel, but maybe the strongest one is the one that has to do with these friendships. It's an it's an incredible story. The novel obviously is really grounded in the history, the real events of that time, the anti-war protests, um, politics during LBJ's administration, and then Nixon. There were a few times while I was reading when I would look up from the book and remind myself that this was late 60s, early 70s, and not 2023, 2024. <laughs> what, what's important to you about history? History, let's say, in this particular in this particular novel and putting it squarely in places and situations in the past that are so instructive for us today. That's so, um, that's so true. And in fact, you know, we were speaking earlier about how long I had wanted to write this book and how long I had, you know, had this idea in my head and it wasn't really until March of 2020 that I realized like maybe the moment for this book had come. We were in Seattle. I live in Seattle and on a small island and um, and we were in lockdown from COVID and the, the pandemic was, you know, just gearing up and it was such a time of sort of fear and isolation. And, you know, in watching the news, the level of discord and anger and um, the political drama going on felt to me so much like the Vietnam era. You know, the first time really I could remember in my lifetime that we felt like we were, you know, that at odds as a whole country. And so I was aware of, you know, that. And then I'm watching our nurses and doctors who are really on the front line of the pandemic being exhausted and worn out and, you know, sort of pushed to the edge and traumatized and not really getting the support that they need um, to keep going, not even getting sort of universal gratitude for what they were doing. And that's all when that's when this book came together and I went, okay, this this feels so relevant right now, you know, this combination of the nurses in Vietnam and um, and the political unrest of the era. And it's always surprising to me. I mean, I said this because the four winds came out during a pandemic. And as a historical novelist, I I keep believing that, if we can just share history and remind people, um, we will not repeat it. Um, but the fact is we sort of continue to make the same mistakes as a people, as a world. But I will say that one of the things that, there's a couple of things I take away from the women in terms of as a message to today. And one is that I truly believe that this mistake that America made in terms of, you know, confusing the war and the warrior and and being against the war and therefore against the soldiers, I don't think that will ever happen again. I think we 
we felt such a collective guilt and shame for that period that I think we've actually learned. And I really do believe that, you know, honoring soldiers and their families and the sacrifices they make on our behalf is now simply, you know, understood. And it's something that I think Americans do without question. And, and I also think that it is comforting to know, you look back on the Vietnam era and you see all of this chaos and, and turbulence. And then you also see that 10 years later, it's simply gone or, or mostly gone. And so I do hope that as divided as we are right now, that we can and will realize again, like we have before, that we are all stronger together and that we have more in common than we have differences. Kristen Hanna, thank you so much. What a thrill to get to talk to you again. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Oh, thank you so much. This was great. And I will talk to you next time, whenever that is. I can't wait. <laughs> Kristen Hanna is the author of The Women. It's published by St. Martin's Press. This has been Book Public from Texas Public Radio. Write to us at bookpublic at tpr.org. Jacob Rizzotti composed our theme music. Dan Katz is Texas Public Radio's news director. I'm Yvette Benavides. <laughs>